Welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle, a podcast for midlife moms who want to make the next season of life their best one yet. I am your host, Jenny Gwynn. You might find yourself transitioning into a new phase of life as your children become more independent or leave the nest. Mama, I am here to tell you that your life isn't over. You simply have new opportunities ahead of you. After years of pouring your heart and soul into raising your family, it is your turn to reconnect with yourself. In this podcast, we will talk about the joys and challenges of midlife. You will be inspired to rediscover your God-given purpose or to dust off old dreams and make them a reality. You'll learn how to navigate relationships with your adult children, to reconnect in your marriage, or focus on your health by being more active or finally losing the weight you've struggled with for years. Whatever this next season of life brings, this podcast will equip and encourage you to be happy, healthy, and holy. Hey friends, welcome to Catholic Moms in the Middle. This week's topic is one that impacts each and every one of us in some way or another, yet it is very difficult to talk about. Today, we are going to talk about grief. Now, I want to be respectful of everyone listening by giving you a trigger warning. We are going to talk specifically about the loss of a child. If you would rather not listen to this episode or possibly listen to it at a different time or in a different place, I want to give you that option before we get started. My guests this week are Paul and Teresa Davis. Welcome. Thanks for having us. Thank you for being here and being willing to share your story. I've asked Paul and Teresa to join me today because July is Bereaved Parent Awareness Month. Now, most of us in midlife have been touched in some way by the loss of the child, maybe in our family, in our friend groups, in our church community, or within our children's social circle at school or in sports. So Paul and Teresa, your story has touched so many people. Our Catholic community here in Nashville is like a huge family. And of course, the two of you are so well-known in the community. The loss of your son, Kevin, was felt around the city. So as we get started, will you share your story and the story of Kevin with us? Well, I guess we'll start with just telling you a little bit about Kevin. So um, Kevin is our youngest, uh, only by a little over 12 months, uh, his older brother, Philip. They were fun to grow up with. Uh, I love the boy stages they went through. They were very competitive. In fact, that's probably just an understatement. They were so competitive. But um, they liked to push each other and push each other's buttons. And um, of course, they're brothers. <laughs> <laughs> yes. And um, they were just, uh, you know, and Kevin especially was uh, a little more... How would you describe him? Daring. Daring, yep. Daring. Uh, Philip a little more reserved. Um, Kevin was willing to to take chances and, you know, try things. But um, but Philip and Kevin, when they hit high school, and Paul was dean of students at that time, um, they kind of found their own friend groups, and they, you know, kind of, I wouldn't want to say drifted apart, but not really, but just kind of found their own way. And so when Philip went off to college, Kevin was actually excited because he was the only one at home. Right. He was the only one he at Ryan. Yes. So, but anyway, um, so I would say there was a little bit of change in their relationship at that point, you know, um, but then fast forward to Kevin's 
going to UTK in Knoxville with uh, Philip, and they ended up rooming together with their cousin, Rob Davis, and it's like we watched their relationship kind of ebb and flow, and at that point when Kevin was a junior and Philip was a senior, to me, they kind of hit a stride, which I thought was very special. Um, they kind of figured out that brotherly love, which we'd seen on and off all their life, but they just came to it themselves. It was a more mature brother. Yes, wow. for sure. And uh, But unfortunately, uh, in uh, March of 2012, um, that was Kevin's junior year and Philip's senior year, for the first time as parents, we decided we'd let him go on spring break without us. And um, Philip went to Destin with his friends, and Kevin went to Cozumel on a cruise with his. And we saw them off on that trip, and then on Saturday, and Monday at the end of the workday, Paul received a phone call at work from the cruise ship, and I was on my way home, and he called me and said, hey, I just, I just got this phone call from the cruise ship, and I'm trying to get back with them, so... I immediately drove over to Ryan thinking, you know, Kevin's, you know, gotten hurt or something or he's sick and we need to figure this out. So after a lot of time, hours, minutes, I don't, it seemed like forever. Right. We were trying to get bits and bits, pieces of information and um, never in our wildest dreams were they going to tell us that Kevin didn't make it through the accident. We were in my head is spinning. How can we get to there? We don't have a passport. Let's, you know, what are we going to do? And um, anyway, when we finally got all the pieces put together and Paul, I actually had left to go home. Um, I think Paul had figured it out before I did. I was home trip trying to figure out what should I pack? How am I going to get to Atlanta and get a passport? And they told us that he did not make it through an accident. Uh, yeah, they, um, they gave me the, the hospital number to call and um, that he was a patient there. Mm-hmm. And through broken um, uh, English and me not being able to speak Spanish, I found out that he was not a patient there. And that pretty much told me that um, what had he had, yeah, that he had passed. So, I mean, needless to say, our, we were just thrown into a whirlwind and um, just Did tried to catch our communication with his friends. Like no, at that friend. point, yes, I had I had talked to uh, her on the phone, and um, she hadn't gone to get help for him, and they were able to put her in an ambulance and and took her um, to the hospital. When I talked to her, she said, "I don't, she I, didn't know. I don't know where he is. I don't know what's going on." So, um, you know, at that point, we're just thrown into a spiral, and. Uh, our next thought was, oh, oh, you know, we got to let family know. We got to let Philip know. We got to let his brother know. And before social media took over, absolutely. Text messages or whatever. So we were trying to figure out a way to do it. How do you do that? That's, you know, so finally we just, we just had to do it. Had to make a, had to tell Philip that his brother over the phone, you had to tell him that he had passed and, it's not the ideal way to do so. Well, and the fact that he was also so far away. Yeah. Yes. Yes. Well, you know, at that point when we got a hold of Philip and let him know, you know, pe- people at Paul's work knew that this was going on because his secretary and people in the office were 
there and and you know while Paul was on the phone with people I was in saying can you call Atlanta and see about getting a passport so you know there were people already kind of engaged in this story before we we knew the the, the details and um so um my sister Lisa um got on the phone we were trying to figure out how can we get Philip home we want him home now we want him now he he had gone we had got him a flight and he went to the wrong airport um I think he went to Panama City and needed to go to to um, the other one, uh, Fort Walton or something like that. So he was stuck. He'd miss his flight. And so Lisa um, knew a guy who flew small planes, and he actually flew down from Chattanooga, I think, um, mm-hmm. and picked Philip up and flew him back. Just, just one of the many examples of how the community just was all in for us in, in so many ways that, I mean, I would say even— a year or more later, there are things that we would find out that we had no idea people were doing or behind the scenes that are just amazing, uh, the way faith works through people for us. We were more very humbled. Um, but at, prior to us losing Kevin, I, about a year before Kevin passed away, it was, I can't remember if it was April. Well, it was we had, uh, in May 2010, all the flood hit Nashville, and we got eight feet of water in our home, so we lost our home. And that was in the home that Philip and Kevin grew up in. And um, so in May 2011, on the date, he wrote a reflection, a letter to us, and sent it to us by email. And in that letter, he expressed his love for us, his respect for and gratitude for being able to walk the halls of Father Ryan with his dad there every day. And he expressed his love for his brother. He expressed the fact that he knew we wanted him to be more faithful and that he wanted us to know that he prayed and church was important. He just said so many things in that letter that let us know he was in a in a, a good spot in his life. He was figuring it out. And even with his brother's relationship, he mentioned his, you know, the brother in the letter. So, And I think he shared part of that on social media. Yes. I think he shared it. And I can remember reading it. And in fact, reading the things that you posted about Kevin, I probably knew who Kevin was, but Philip was Justin, my oldest son's age. And so, you know, Philip a little bit better, but I feel like I know Kevin just because of the things that you posted and the things that you shared about his life. So that letter being one of them, it was so profound for somebody his age. Yes, it was. And, and we're so grateful for it. it, not just for us, but for Philip as well, because it was an expression of his love in written form, which, you know, it was a, it's just a real gift. And on, the other thing that was powerful about it was he acknowledged that he wasn't perfect. And and he 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 was a character, and he he would say, I think he even said in that letter, "I'm your prodigal son" or something like that. And um, so um, that's what I loved about it was it was it was pure truth. But what what he expressed in the letter too is, you know, the the decisions I've made, some of the choices I've made, and even some things that have happened to me that are out of my control. I don't regret any of them. I, I would not change them because it's made me who I am today. So it was just a, it was a very special letter for us. At, at that time, when he was writing that letter, he uh, right after the flood, he was interviewed to be um, a Red Bull marketing manager on the campus at UT, and 
that allowed him to really show his personality because he was a people person. He loved to be out. He loved to plan. He loved to get people together. So uh, a lot of people knew him through his work, and we're grateful to Red Bull because it allowed him to to go places and do things that he, I mean, at such an early age. I mean, he was traveling with them to California and Florida. All the while, he's in school. Oh, so, wow. Yeah, so he was really engaged in the marketing with that that company, and I think he would have gone on to work for them. His boss shared with us a yes. letter that she had written to us, and in it she had a section of his profile on his, his Red Bull page. And I think that's what you were getting at, is the quote that he, he wrote. We did not know. We, had, we didn't know there was a profile online for Kevin. So when she sent us the letter with a copy of his profile, we were just, I mean, stunned. Again, another way I think the Holy Spirit's moving and letting us know that Kevin's okay. And it, in his profile, it reads, he wrote, live life to the fullest. It's a, bla- it's a blast. You never know when it's going to end. So live without regrets and with optimism. And when the day comes from you, for you to pass from this world, hopefully you can do it with a smile and know that you have lived a life that touched people's lives in a uniquely different way. And because of that, you will be remembered. His boss, of course, when she learned of his passing, she, she copied it and sent it to us in a letter and, and expressed her um, condolences and also told us, you know, the joy she had in working with Kevin and, um, and then shared that quote. Yeah. So How he often reached out to, he, if he saw people sitting by themselves, he would go sit with them. Right. And just, you know, that outgoing personality that he had. Yeah. So Kevin's loss, like I said, so many people were touched by that loss. It's one of those phone calls that I can remember Justin calling from college. And I'm like, this is odd for him to call at this time and and told us. And then, you know, we have mutual cousin and talking to Michelle and Jeff and, you know, just hearing the story, you think this can't be possible. Like, cannot be happening. You all are such a huge part of this community. What, how did the community help or what role did it play in the grieving and helping you to heal? Well, I will say there was um, a little bit of a blessing and a curse, you know, to, to wake up the next morning and your picture, a picture of me and Kevin on the front page. Sure. That was... That was tough. And then news articles and the media wanting to um, to interview us. Uh, you know, it hadn't been 24 hours. But the blessing was that the community around us, Teresa's school community at the time was uh, uh, Paragon Mills. They, they reached out. Father Ryan was there, Christ the King. So they were actually served as a buffer for us. They they canceled school, and you talk about um, how they gathered, the students gathered. You know, we, we didn't—I didn't know all that was going on, too. We were just in the throes of it all, but, you know, somebody shared photos with us of the, uh, the student body had gone out to the football field and formed a circle around the Father Ryan Crest, and together they prayed the rosary for our family, and— you know, that's just one on, instance. On that day off, yeah. And it's just one, when they didn't even have to come to school, but they did, you know. That's just one instance of the community and and how they walk with us through this. We hear in Psalms thirty four eighteen that the Lord is near to the brokenhearted and saves the crushed in spirit. And we hear in Matthew 
5, verse 4, that blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And God clearly worked through the kindness of, of not only our school communities, our church communities. Our, it, it just kept going and right. going like a ripple effect for us. And little did we know during a lot of that time how far those ripples went out. But it is amazing now, the stories. We, we still look back and, and think about what the community did for us, not just close friends and family. I mean, you know, there were people who set up a, when they found out Kevin passed away, they set up a 24 hours of people volunteering to pray on the hour through the night the next day. I mean, it, it's just very powerful how um, prayer came to help us, help me especially. You know, one of the funny things was that Kevin's girlfriend at the time was a, a St. Cecilia grad, and they allowed them to wear purple, I guess, a couple of days after that. And uh, one of the Dominican sisters in the Dominican community was so supportive as well. She came up to us at visitation, and she walked up to me. She goes, I want you to know we wore purple today. And I want you to know it will be the last time. (laughs) Just, you know, lots and lots of little things, and then lots of big things. Like we learned later that our brother-in-law, Brent, when they knew that Kevin was coming back to us, to the States, that he— was at the airport um, there just just to be there when the plane arrived. And we also learned that Kevin's godfather, John, actually spent the night in Marshall Donnelly just to be with Kevin until we could see him the next morning. So, I mean, those are big and little ways, but um, they all uh, made us more aware of the power of a faith field community. Right. So their God's love was working through them. Right. That's and such were a you gift. able to see that at the time, or was it? Did it take some distance to look back and realize? It? I think that what I when I look back, um, not, there was a, there was two weeks of, of numbness, right? Had not really knowing the permanence of it. It hadn't set in, and so I was. I can remember very, being very appreciative, and Grayline worked with the school, and they donated buses to, because parking wasn't, they didn't think parking would be enough at, at Christ the King. And um, so being able to go up to people and thank them, and there were security police officers who were alarms who gave of their time because there was a concern about media being there and, and other attention. So at the time, I, I can remember being very uh, aware and very thankful but after about two weeks, for me, darkness kind of set in. For me, you know, when darkness was settling in on him, and that's probably one of the most profound things I learned through this is that everybody grieves differently, even your spouse. Like, you know, I wanted to read all I could about what is heaven like? Where's Kevin now? What's I want to be with his friends. I want to. Do, do, go, go. Keep that connection. And Paul was kind of withdrew. And and thankfully, the Holy Spirit worked through both of us, too, because— And Philip had his own grieving process as well. Yes, and, and I do want to mention that, that November is uh, the, the month that, that sibling bereavement is, is recognized. And, and I do think— Sometimes he gets lost in this. Sure. Uh, I can remember—you know, it's, it's interesting, um, you know, People um, want to be present and want to 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 do and say the right thing, and sometimes they can say things that 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 um, 
I would say, oh, um, when you're in those circumstances, it's okay to be silent. You don't have to say something. Don't be afraid of the silence if you're with somebody who's lost somebody. And people would say, well, I'm not worried about Philip. He's young. He'll, he'll get over it. Um, or um, at least you have another son. And those are just things that um, people mean well, but probably uh, didn't help me when I was trying to work through it. Uh, and I think it's the silence and thinking about other situations similar to this. You have this desire to say something to help relieve their pain and relieve their burden. And nothing you can say can do that. And so I think it's interesting to say the silence is okay, just knowing that you're there. Your presence is yes. is beautiful. Yes. Uh, yes. And, you know, if you think of people, if you know someone who's going through this, I mean, just a little text, hey, you're on my heart this morning, or my favorite thing I remember about Kevin was this. Uh, you know, a lot of people think that we don't want to hear his name or we don't want to remember, but that's the farthest from the truth for us. We want him to be remembered. That's a real gift for us. And Trisha was a great example you know, she she always said, um, "Focus on the nodes, not on the on the whys." And, um, and I think in it, the and probably for me, I I focused on the why, the selfishness, the humanness really took over. And um, and you know, there is that 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 phrase that kept coming back to me: "He is not mine, right? He is God's." And um, but I I, I battled with that. My humanness uh, sure. kept me from going down that road and. She was such a great example of faith and 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 hope, um, and and I I struggled with that. When I started thinking about where he was and what I know about my faith, and and that's what God promises us in John three sixteen: for God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son, that whoever believeth in Him will not perish but have everlasting life. That was where my hope was coming from. That. Kevin's there, and I will get to see him again someday. I want to see him again. Can't wait to embrace him again. Um, and the no's were. We, we know he loved us. Yeah. We, he and knew our love. Um, yeah. Those are the no's. And, and he, we, we knew that he loved his brother, and he knew that Philip loved him, and, and yeah. he loved family. And, you know, it's a lot of things that we learned after— um, he passed. He he would take road trips, and we had no idea, right? So he he would go to Clemson. We didn't know about the Notre Dame trip, but uh, uh, I got we got tickets for him. But um, <laughs> a couple times he went to Notre Dame. A couple times he went down to Georgia uh, to visit friends, and and we didn't know. And and what we learned is that when he was going on those trips, he would call his grandmother. So he would call his grand grandfathers, or he'd call his aunts. aunts. And um, and have conversations with them to kill time. Oh, and we had we had no idea that he was even making those drugs. So and neither did the people he was talking to on the phone. Right. They just yeah. loved the fact that he called. But for him to do that was that's another gift, you know, for them. Uh, yeah. For them. And it sounds like afterwards, you part of the grieving. You were opening all of these gifts when you were seeing the hand of God and. And, and Kevin's life and the things that he had done and the way that he had lived. Yeah, I think that, yeah, there's no doubt. Uh, we would talk about no coincidences, God's hand, his presence, and Kevin's presence in our life. Uh, 
you know, I, that darkness was was um, I, I couldn't even get out of get out of the house and I, and I, the the gift for me was a dream that I had where Kevin um, I was packed or something packing and um, and trying to go away and and I couldn't leave and Teresa comes in and says, "Hey, you're going to be late. You got to go." Philip comes in, "Hey, you got to." And I'm just kind of standing there looking out at this window. And then finally, Kevin comes in and says, "Hey, Dad, you're gonna get left out." And it was it was like he was there with me. And um, then I said, "Well, I'm afraid if I go, I'll never see you again." And he goes, "I'll see you someday." And uh, and I woke up, and that's when I started kind of moving forward. And the other gifts of uh, we call them Kevin sets. Yeah, yeah, we've had we we are very open. To Kevin sense, and I think that's something I would encourage parents who have lost a loved one is to to pray to have the openness and the awareness that they are, you know, as Paul's answer to Philip Joseph says, there's just a thin veil between us and them, and and don't be afraid to let that veil open up and and have those Kevin sense, and uh, I cherish them. They they give me a great deal of hope, and you know, we could spend all day talking about the Kevin sense, the, the different Kevin sense that we've had, and. Uh, One in particular that, that Teresa had was uh, she she had not had the dream. She had not had the kind of experiences that I had. And um, it was December after he passed, and um, she was back in the room and kind of looking at her phone, and she comes running out. She says, what does this mean? What does this mean? It's a push notification from Kevin. And um, and I think the, the uh, message was, hey, Mom, I thought you'd like this. And it's a song um, that Jason Aldine's Jason Aldine sings, and it's called yeah. "Good to Go." Good to go. Yeah. Wow! And then when you listen to those words, yeah, it was very powerful for me. In fact, actually, it was on the feast of the Immaculate Conception. Mm-hmm. So I'm curious in the situation. It's every parent's worst nightmare to get that phone call and to deal with this. And and both of you had been raised Catholic. I mean, your faith is a part of who you are and how you raised your family. Was it easy to fall back on your faith or was there, you know, when you're trying, you said you're trying to make sense of it, like your humanness is trying to make sense of this. Was it natural to fall back on your faith or were there periods of resisting and anger and, you know, that struggle with God, like why? Oh, sure. I mean, that's when we say focus on the nose and not the whys. I I firmly believe that if I were to have focused on the whys, that I would have fell into a darkness that I might not be able to come back from. And and I knew in my heart that that's the last thing Kevin would want me to do. And so my faith, like I said, I believe that I will see him again and that God is, we're never alone. Um, God is walking with us. And so I, I really hung on to that. And like I, I, I tried to read as much as I could. And one of the books that I read that was really pr- profound to me was Dr. Evan Alexander's Proof of Heaven. And he was a non-believer. And the experience he had when he actually died and then came back to life, he described what he saw. Of course, those are the kind of things I wanted. I just couldn't get enough of. I wanted to know, what, where's Kevin? What's he experiencing right now? How You know, what is God's presence like? Not that I hadn't thought that before, but just different. It's different. Just different. Yeah, for, for me, and I, I she, 
I refer to it as a long walk. I mean, you you wake up the next day and he's not there. Then you wake up a year later and he's not there. And now it's 11 years later and he's not there. And so that permanence sets in. And, and I, that journey for me is, is a long walk. And that walk has, has gone through that, that anger, uh, you know, questioning the idea of a merciful God. And, and it, it just, uh, was a process that, that I had to go through. And, um, and then you get to that point of acceptance. You know, I can't change it, right? If I could, I would go back, but I can't. Um, and I, and I will say this, I'm not better off. We're not better off without Kevin. I'm a better person for having gone through the experience. This morning we were at Mass and Father Brewer uh, referred to uh, that we're all broken and that we need that brokenness in order to see the light. And, and, um, and it was pretty powerful. The yeah, timing. it struck me too because he was... He talked about the seed has to fall on that fertile land. It has to be that plowed up broken land and it's and it's in the darkness and it has to come to the light. And as parents, we had to be fertile land for the light to come through. Um so I encourage parents to think of it like that. We are trying to find the light that just to be open to letting God work for you and through you and with you and in you. Um because if we're not aware of it and if we're not open to it, I, I think you could fall into a, you know, stuck on the wise instead of, we know that God loves us. We know God's with us, you know, every step of the way. Now, don't get me wrong. There's still some days when my breath is taken away and there's still some days when I'm angry and there's still some days when I'm, it's, you know, grief through tears, but there, but now more often than not, my grief is through joy or my grief is through gratitude. So I've learned to that that sadness and that joy can be all at the same time. So, And that's what, when we were texting back and forth about reporting, you said that there was a difference in 11 years. Yes. And 11 years ago, it was grieving through tears. And now it's the peace and joy. Can you talk a little bit about the peace and joy as we wrap up? What does that look like? Well, we've been incredibly blessed that the community we talked about earlier, you know, we— People started donating money to Father Ryan in Kevin's name as he, when he passed and, and the money just grew and it grew. And, and finally the president of Father Ryan called us in and wanted to say, well, what do you want to do with this? And we're like, well, I don't know. You know, what, what do we do with this? Yeah. It, it, there's a, a threshold for it to be an endowed scholarship. So, um, I never dreamed that it would get to that threshold. And, um, and so he said, I said, well, why don't you just uh, go ahead and distribute it out for tuition assistance? And he said, well, I'd like to sit on it for a little while. And in December, he called me and said, hey, we've got an anonymous donation, and you're at that threshold. Let's talk about setting up an endowed scholarship. And then Teresa and uh, my sister Lucy and some others, uh, and along with my aunt, uh, Sister Philip Joseph, um, who's a Dominican sister, had this idea of a raise your glass event, and um, and that's to um, raise a glass to those who have passed, um, and to reflect on how they've impacted your life, and so we've done that. To be eleven years this, this yeah, September. This, yeah, this year, last year was the tenth year, and incredibly enough, it is closing in on the amount of money raised, donated. We we have fifty seven 
recipients who uh, who are in need who have benefited from that over the last eleven years, and um, and and we're, our goal this year is to break the million dollar mark in terms of money donated. Yes. We've distributed out close to over one hundred fifty thousand dollars wow. to students in need, and so and that's all due to the generosity of others and supporting. That's the joy. Yeah. That's the joy that comes out of this. You know, the, it's a gift for so many hearts. It's not just, of course, it, it is for ours. It's unbelievable every year. You know, we, you know, like I'm working on invitations now for the event coming up in September. And I, part of my process with that is every time I'm looking at an address, I'm praying for those people that I'm addressing the envelope for. And, you know, I'm thanking God for these people that are, and then I'm praying for because since then a lot of these people I'm writing to are have lost have lost someone in their family too, you know. And so the event is not just for Kevin, it's for all people who've lost someone to come and we have a special, you know, moment to remember them. I, I do think in our society it's tough for people to know how to deal with grief or how but to me it's a real gift in our faith to remember. That's just a celebration of life. Yes. Right. And, you know, just like each each time we go to mass. I can remember um, a teacher I had, Coach Bill Derrick, whose family actually, uh, when he passed, uh, he was kind of a hero of mine, and um, and they recognized the uh, Kevin Davis Scholarship uh, as one of the— uh, Oh, that's you. I can remember talking to him one day right outside of the chapel, and he said, boy, and I just—I got to spend Mass. He goes, and when we gathered around that the Eucharistic table, I was there with everybody— all the all the, all the community of Catholics and all the community of of saints and uh, and I think about that every time I go to mass and think about all those who in in our lives uh, being around that Eucharist and that's such a gift that we have when we go to mass. Yes, it's a beautiful thing to have those we've lost remember. Um, it's also a beautiful thing to be around people who have pieces of your loved one in their heart. And then the Catholic Church best reminds us of that, the importance of remembering and celebrating each time we celebrate the Eucharist and remember God's love. And so I think I have a quote from St. Thomas. He says, the Eucharist is the sacrament of love. It signifies love and produces love. So we feel it's important to remember loved ones made in God's image as well. So to us, it's just an extension of that Eucharist to, to remember our loved ones. As we close... Do you have any final words, any wisdom you want to share with someone who may be in that beginning grief stage to help them get to this joy and peace where you are now in your grief? Uh, the first thing I'll say is there is no cookie-cutter approach to healing for people. And, you know, just go through your own journey and be open to God's presence and prayer. Don't think you're going to go through this and then this and then this. It's it's your journey and what you need you do and what what God wants to happen for you will happen for you. So, well, everybody's story is different, right? So it's hard for us to say, here's how to do it. And and I, I don't know that my approach was the right approach by any means. And so I think that, but I, I think that, that Getting to that point where you accept the fact that you're in this this circumstance and and looking for God's presence and as, as we said earlier, God is with the brokenhearted and, and even when I wasn't with Him, He was with me. Yeah. 
You're not alone. That's probably one of the biggest things I would tell people. That you're going to feel alone. You're going to feel very alone and hopeless, but you're never alone. Thank so. you all very much for sharing today. I appreciate your heartfelt words and being so open and honest. I think this is going to touch a lot of lives. It's going to have impact a lot of people and what they're going through. So I appreciate you sharing. Well, thanks for having us. And uh, if you don't mind, I would like to um, end with a Hail Mary. Uh, the Blessed Mother has been a very uh, important part of my prayer life through this process because uh, she knows loss. She knows loss of a son. And so I would like to offer this Hail Mary for those who are especially in the throes of the beginnings of loss and, and even those who may still be you know, 11 years in and still in the throes of the, the, the wise and not the nose. And the Father and Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners, now and at the hour of our death. May the souls of the faithful departed through the mercy of God rest in peace. Amen. Name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Again, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. All right, friends, say happy, healthy, and holy, and I will see you again next week. God bless. For more information on Catholic Moms in the Middle or to set up your complimentary Moms in the Middle mentoring session, go to CatholicMomsInTheMiddle.com or find me on Facebook at Catholic Moms in the Middle for even more encouragement and support as you embrace this next season of life. The music for this podcast was written by Sean Williams, Catholic composer and musician. You'll find more of Sean's original music at musicbyshawnwilliams.com. That is musicbyshawn, S-H-A-W-N, williams.com.